D-backs might have won the series finale, but they still lose the overall series to the Cincinnati Reds. So how do the Reds have the D-backs number this season? Well, we got to talk to Locked On Reds host Jeff Carr to get those answers who we are talking to next. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more um, content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And today's episode, episode is brought to you by Sports Card Investor. Download the Sports Card Investor app today and easily browse over 630,000 cards from every sport with hundreds more added each week available for free in the Google Play and Apple stores or just go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on. And of course, Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. I'd not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, or viewing. Thank you for doing all that. So thank you, listeners. But without further ado, the D-backs won the series finale against the Cincinnati Reds. But overall, they still lose two out of three to the Reds. And the Reds have owned the D-backs number all season. But it was kind of reversed last year. So let's actually bring on Locked On Reds host Jeff Carr to talk about it. Because I think last season you felt like the D-backs were probably the biggest nemesis against the Cincinnati Reds. I think the D-backs swept the Reds last year in their season series. But this year, I mean, the Reds have taken two out of three in the first game. And now another two out of three. Or what was it? Three out of four the first time we played you guys? Or something? I honestly don't even remember the first series, but you guys have had the D-backs numbers all see. I like I've tried to erase these series out of the D-backs numbers <laughs> because I was thinking against the Cincinnati Reds, you know, a mediocre team. This is a team that really is not trying to win games. And the D-backs, they were looking competitive those first two months of the season. But whenever we play the Cincinnati Reds this year, I mean, you guys for some reason have our number, especially Tyler Motley. I mean, my goodness. Revenge is a dish best served cold. No, I'm just kidding. It's not that not that dramatic. No, it, I mean, a series split in Cincinnati two and two, and then you go two out of three in the desert. It was nice to see. I was a little bit peeved, though, because that's the second time that a red starting pitcher has absolutely pitched a gym. And the lineup hasn't supported them at all. Like it was nice that the Reds ended up winning game two, but that entire night I was just like, can we score some fling and fling and runs? Like, come on. I mean, he's pitching amazing. This was his third straight start in a row that he's pitched very good. Not, I mean, he hadn't done three straight, you know, complete game shutouts or anything like that, but he has pitched phenomenally well after having like a 7.0 ERA. Uh, I think it was up to like May 20 something. So it, it was a rough start to the season for Tyler Malley, but he's righted the ship. And then this last game, this, this game three, it just felt like the baseball gods had come together to conspire against the reds and, Mm. Not let them win that game. There's a lot of hard hit balls that found gloves, but I'm going to tell you what, uh, Miller, when I look at this series, mm. my biggest takeaway is the fact that if it comes down to the Diamondbacks fielding, they're going to win the ball game because they got a great defense there behind their pitching staff. And if it comes down to the Reds defense, well, 
Yeah, the D-backs <laughs> defense, specifically their outfield, Alec Thomas, I mean, he's a rookie yeah. phenom. He's been called up. You know, he's been on the major league level for probably around five to six weeks now. And defensively, what he's been able to do in center field, really the last two to three weeks has been phenomenal. I mean, Dalton Varsho was the primary center fielder the last, you know, season plus um, before Alec Thomas got called up. And now Dalton Varsho looks like he's going to be the everyday right fielder just because Varsho has the athleticism to play center field, but the natural instincts that Alec Thomas has out there, I mean, the way he's able to track those fly balls down, I mean, he had the play, I think the defensive player of the week when he robbed that home run from Joey Votto in their, <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in that most recent game um, not too long ago. So Alec Thomas in the defense has been great, but Tyler Molly, you mentioned, I mean, three straight starts where he's been great. Well, two of those came against the D-backs. His last start <laughs> he had was against the D-backs as well. And I think it's what, it's like, 15 innings now and 22 strikeouts for Tyler Miley because he went, um, what was it? Did he go nine innings last night against yep. the D-backs? And then he went six innings the game before that. So Tyler Miley has been dominant. But why is it only against the D-backs? I mean, the D-backs are terrible, <laughs> apparently, against hitting the fastball. And Tyler Miley, I counted 11 of his 12 strikeouts against the D-backs, came via the fastball last night. So why is that fastball only effective against the D-backs and not any other teams, it seems? I tell you what, there's something about that fastball. He added a lot of life to it this last year, and he really there was reports in spring training that he had added a cut fastball. Now it's not been as big of a factor as we thought it was going to be in spring training, but his four seam fastball still has a lot of run to it, and it's not straight. It's it's kind of messes with hitters and then he drops in that slider and the split change. So he's got a lot of pitches that just move around. And if he can tunnel them well, like he was on Tuesday, then I, I, I don't know how major league hitters do it whenever pitchers are able to pitch that way. And Zach gallon, to be honest with you, really seemed a lot like that. On Wednesday's game, the first couple of innings almost looked like a struggle. I thought the Reds were going to put some runs on him. And then the Diamondbacks defense bailed him out, and then he settled in, and he was looking phenomenal there for like the next five innings. I mean, he went seven innings. That was a beautiful start for Zach Gallen overall. But I, I think that, you know, Tyler Malley, he might miss the Diamondbacks. Uh, Geraldo Perdomo is going to miss the Reds because yeah. I saw that he ain't done anything against anybody else, but the Reds come to town, and he turns into Ian Happ. I mean, Ian Happ's the same way yeah. for the Cubs. Like, he doesn't do anybody, anything against anybody. He hits like a million home runs against the Reds. So, Gerardo Podomo had a really good series. David Peralta with the dagger the other night. Or we thought it was going to be the dagger. But um, he was he was playing well in this series. So, it was a lot of fun to kind of watch these two teams. Like, I, I thought that, you know, the Reds played pesky. But you're right. They're not playing for anything. And, and the Diamondbacks, they've got such a hard division. If the Diamondbacks were in the NL Central, I think they'd be cooking with gas. But they get stuck in the West where it's just like, who can spend the most money? Yeah, and you think they would be cooking with gas, but the NL Central has been the toughest division for the D-backs so far this year because we mentioned against the Reds. That first series they tied, they just lost this most recent one. Uh, we lost the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the Cubs have played us. I think we lost the first series against the Chicago Cubs as well. So the D-backs, I think, honestly, if you take out their record against the NL Central, they're probably a pretty well above 500 team because the NL Central has given the D-backs a lot of issues this year, which is pretty weird because more than half that division is not even trying when you look at the pirates uh, <laughs> yeah. and reds like those teams don't even want to win so it is pretty interesting but um yeah you mentioned david peralta Geraldo perdomo those are probably the two mvps in the finale because peralta had that huge clutch hit last night in the 11th inning that like you said we thought was gonna be the dagger and then he put the d-backs up late in the finale so um he was really good he's been clutch all season perdomo he's starting to break out a little bit i'm hope i'm hoping he's getting that confidence now that we know that nick ahmed is gonna be on the 60-day injured list 
list. He could potentially be out the rest of the season, hoping that just a, a, a spot inspires a little life into Perdomo because it, from you know a defensive standpoint, he basically looks like Nick Ahmed. You just hope his offensive ability is way better than Nick Ahmed's because Nick Ahmed was an offensive liability for a while. So hopefully um, Perdomo can get better in that area. But one guy that really impressed me from the Cincinnati Reds team all series was Brandon Drury, who hit multiple home runs this series. <sighs> a former D-backs prospect. And when you kind of look at his career, like he had a pretty nice start to his career with Arizona. And then after that, it just kind of has been a lot of bouncing around Major League Baseball, not really able to find a home. It's like he's on a new team every year. He doesn't really get a full season of opportunity, whether that's injury or someone just looks him at more of a platoon player than an everyday player. And then he signs with the Cincinnati Reds who are like, hey, we're just trying to unload anyone of quality talent. We're just going <laughs> to sign the cheapest players on the market. And little did they know, they might have found it, you know, a potential all-star guy in Brandon Drury, who is still only like 29 years old. This is not a guy who's 35 years old having late career success. Like this is low-key a guy who could still be a foundation piece for the Cincinnati Reds team moving forward. He has Reds fans thinking of a couple of different names. They're thinking of Derek Dietrich and they're thinking of Scooter Jeanette. A couple of guys who came to the Reds with very little pomp and circumstance. They were, you know, either major league minimum signings or waiver claims or things like that. And then all of a sudden they blow up. I mean, Brandon Drury has probably been the Reds best hitter outside of Tyler Stevenson. Tyler Stevenson's had a heck of a year. It's just, you know, he's out for a while now with a broken thumb. When you look at Brandon Drury, though, I think that uh, my my co-host Stephen Offenbaker he had it exactly right when he said that Brandon Jury is the position version of Dan Straley. Dan Straley is a pitcher that the Reds got. I want to say it's like five six years ago. It's funny because like you think of a time and you're like, oh, it was yesterday. No, it was four years ago. That's about where Dan Shelley was, but there was no expectations for him. And he ended up leading the team in pitching, and they flipped them at the deadline for a dude named. Luis Castillo. And I think that they might be able to do that. If, if Nick crawl is savvy enough, and this will be a huge test for him because up until this point, I don't see any sort of thing that will indicate he could do this, but he could flip Brandon Drury for the kind of future prospect that, you know, maybe he turns into a lease Castillo, or maybe he just turns into a nice depth piece for a major league franchise. That's trying to win in a couple of years, but Drury has really just absolutely got, I'm going to start making the case on Friday that he should be an all-star. And it's mm. hilarious to think when he came out of nowhere and whenever the reds added him, I'm just like, who's this guy? All right, whatever. He's on the roster. Sure. Yeah, that would be crazy if Brandon Drury turned into an all-star. And I think the point you're making about um, the Reds maybe unloading these guys like Brandon Drury and Luis Castillo, because that's one I, that's why I want to ask you next, Jeff, um, what you think this Reds team could do at the MLB trade, uh, trade deadline, whether you think they're going to be sellers or not, because we've heard a lot of rumors about Luis Castillo, maybe to the Yankees or any of these other World Series teams. So I want to get your opinion about that. But before we get there, Jeff, have you heard about this new little thing called Sports Card Investor? Oh, yeah, Miller. This thing is awesome. I love me some baseball cards, and it gives me all the values, all of the market trends when you're talking about top players and things like that. It's a lot of fun to check out and to see what kind of action you can get. Maybe you can get a cheap deal on a guy who's had a struggling couple of weeks, but you know he's going to be a stud coming up. Like Just a lot of great stuff on this app that you can check out for some great baseball card stuff. Yeah, let me tell the listeners real quick, because welcome to the world of sports cards reimagined. The sports card investor app is the hobby's most powerful resource. Quickly check the value of your favorite cards, 
find great deals, and profit from the hobby you love. Available completely free in Google Play and Apple App Stores. The Sports Card Investor app is a must-have for baseball fans. It's completely free, like I mentioned. Easily browse over 630,000 cards from every sport. Check the latest values of your favorite cards with 7-day or 30-day charts. Find the best prices and buy directly through the app with our eBay Deals feature. So this sports card app, is absolutely phenomenal. Download the Sports Card Investor app today, available for free in the Google Play and Apple App Stores, or, or just go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on. And we have an important favor to ask you. We put together a survey so we can learn more about the listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On Podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of $1,000 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thanks for your help. Now, we got Jeff Carr of Locked on Reds here because the Reds just beat down the D-backs in a series. The D-backs were able to win the finale, but the first two games of the series did not go the D-backs way. But I do kind of want to ask because they shouldn't be winning games like this, Jeff. Like the, the Reds should be trying to lose every game. We saw what they did during the offseason when they unloaded so much talent from Amir Garrett to just basically letting Wade Miley go, who is arguably their best pitcher last season, um, trading the winkers of the world. Like, you know the whole deal. You're the Lockdown Reds guy, you know. So what? tell me and us D-backs listeners, what is the direction of this franchise? Are they going to be sellers at the deadline? Are they going to be moving off the Luis Castillos and the Brandon Juries, like you mentioned, the Tyler Motley's? Or are they like, you know what? We're having maybe a better season than we might have even anticipated. We found some un- you know, uh, hidden gems with the Brandon Juries of the world and maybe if we could find a couple more guys like that maybe we get a little bit aggressive at the deadline try to add some talent to this roster maybe not to compete this year but at least get that foundation going for the next couple of years it's crazy to think because the reds were a competitive team last year they were just out of the playoff spot and if the extra wild card spot would have been enacted last year they would have made the playoffs so the fact that they were just like nah we don't want to pay anybody anymore and they gave away away miley they gave away tucker barnhart they gave away i mean they didn't give away jesse winker and eugenio suarez but it was still just a shock to the system whenever they made those trades you're thinking okay all right selling off they're rebuilding but then they traded for Mike Miner, who has a $9.5 million contract. And then they signed Tommy Pham to a $9 million contract. And it was like, okay, what are you doing? Like, you basically just spent the money that you got rid of. Like, what mm-hmm. is the point here? What are we doing? And reports came out from one of the Reds beat writers, Charlie Goldsmith, the other day that the Reds front office is attacking the trade deadline as an opportunistic seller, not mm-hmm. as a Cubs team from last year that just got rid of everybody. Not as, you know, the, the Astros, whatever, six, seven years ago, whenever they tore everything down and rebuilt it, they're saying, no, we want to remain competitive while still retooling. Now, part of that is at least understandable. They've got a lot of guys that are coming through the minor leagues that should be up here in the next two years that really have this team looking tantalizing for 2024. The other thing that's really annoying though, about that Millard is that, 
ever since this ownership group that took over the Castellini group. And then there's like 16 other guys that are part of this, but the Castellinis are the majority owners. They've never gone all in on one direction. It's always been like, all right, we're really close to competing. This is what we need. If we get this, we're going to win. Uh, that costs too much. We're not going to do that. Or, all right, there's no chance. We're not competing. We're not making the playoffs. All right, we'll trade off three guys. Well, what about the others? No, 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 no. We need them because if we don't have them, then people don't come to the ballpark. I, I, I wish they would pick a direction, but it's very evident that ownership meddles and ownership changes its minds. And we never see one plan go for very long. So whatever the plan is today might very well change by the end of the trade deadline, which is randomly August 2nd this year. I was reading that. I was just assuming it was July 31st and it's like August 2nd or something like that. But, um, I don't expect the reds to trade anybody, which is a hilarious thing to say because it seems pretty obvious they should trade Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley. Yeah. So who is steering this ship of owners meddling too much? Is it you know, the owner's kind of the one directing all these trades and signings. Does the GM really have any power there? Like, I don't even know who the Reds GM is and how long <laughs> have they even been there? Because I'm not too sure. Like, I that that's the part that doesn't make any sense to me. It just as an outside observer because they just seem to let go of so much talent this offseason. And I know you got to replace some of that talent. So it kind of makes sense why you still go out there and get the Mike Miners and stuff. But I think it would have made more sense just to keep the talent you had last year and then add the Mike Miners and Tommy Fams who are not on crazy contract. So you, you could at least build off the almost playoff season you had last year and then maybe right. actually make the postseason this year like i don't understand why the reds try to retool i guess like do they feel like the players that they had last season like just didn't work with the franchise like what is the reds philosophy when it comes or is there just no philosophy in that franchise honestly i'd love to say that there is one um but I'm not sure when you're talking about the guy that's pulling the strings, it's definitely the ownership. And and I don't necessarily know that it's Bob Castellini anymore. I think it's moving more toward his son, Phil Castellini, who has become ultra famous in the city of Cincinnati for telling everybody on the home opener day, uh, where else are you going to go? And there, there's just so much crap that came out of that. But it's very evident to me because I spend my entire life watching the Reds. I don't know why I chose to do this. This is what happened. This life chose me. You know how it goes. Yeah. But when, when I watch this Reds team, it is evident to me that Nick Crawl became the general manager because he carries out the wishes of ownership. The guy who was there before Dick Williams thought for himself, fended off ownership and kept the door shut while he tried to build a team over here with his other hand. And he just got tired of holding both, you know, trying to help hold everything up and balance all of the different acts and stuff like that. So he stepped away. And whenever Nick crawl took over, he started chopping and by chopping, I mean, chopping payroll, not trading away and getting big name prospects. It's very evident to me that the reds had, okay, we're going to get rid of payroll and we're going to figure out the rest later because this team has had major holes for the last two years that they just refuse to address. And they just say, well, our, our solution is in house. Yeah, we're fine. We're good. When Tyler Stevenson went out, went down, 
You had Armas Garcia get bumped up to catcher number one, and then they bumped up Chris O'Key, who made his major league debut. And you saw the other night in extra innings how good he was at blocking Luis Sessa's low slider. That's Luis Sessa's bread and butter. It's not as if Sessa was wild. It's because the catcher behind the plate wasn't able to block it. So there's so much that I look at, and I just say the evidence is clear. Ownership runs this team. The front office takes its marching orders and does what they tell them to do. And because of that, it is very hard to predict exactly what this Reds team might do because they could trade Luis Castillo one day and then go out and acquire some kind of veteran player in some position the next. It sounds like the Reds maybe need to be in a market for new ownership if they're meddling that much and just are kind of hamstringing, you know, this team. And the yeah. best place to look for new employees is LinkedIn Jobs, Jeff. That's the best place to go because as the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, I don't think the Reds are a small business. They're probably a billion-dollar franchise, but LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and, and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to hire and interview. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Also, you need to head to built.com if you want to get your hands on some built bars because built bars are absolutely delicious. And the reason why I love them is because I'm a health conscious guy. I try to work out every day, but my biggest issue is I have a sweet tooth. I love to eat candy, I love to eat junk food, but it's okay because built bar tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, great for that keto diet. And right now they got these things called puff bars, which are delicious, filled with marshmallow, protein infused as well. Just fluffy, delicious, and of course, covered in 100% real chocolate, soft and easy to chew like all Built Bars. And if you want to get your hands on some Built Bars of your own, just go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, still here with Jeff Carr of Locked on Reds. And Jeff, before we get into more overall baseball talk, I also just want to ask you a quick question about Joey Votto. Just because uh, I've kind of joked with Sully Baseball about, you know, what, what, what happened last year where he had this phenomenal season after a couple years of not really tapping to that power. He had a, just a huge season last year, 900 OPS, 30-plus bombs. And then Votto's back to being, you know, kind of not so good this year. So what happened last year, Votto? How did he have this phenomenal season? And now he's kind of back to just looking like an old, you know, old washed-up star almost. I don't want to be disrespectful to him, but it doesn't look like the old Votto. 
No, and and a lot of it here recently has just kind of been unlucky. He's still hitting the ball. He's got a very mm-hmm. nice exit velocity, average exit velocity, and things like that. This the numbers haven't come really along with him, but I'm thinking and they're going to pick it up here. I think when he comes home against the Brewers this weekend, mm-hmm. it's all going to start to pick up. But when I look at Joey Votto last year, honestly, and this is going to sound almost like a cop out answer, but I think Joey Votto is good enough that he literally just woke up one day and said, I'm going to be a power hitter again because he had gotten to the point in 2000 and really 18, 18 was not that great, but not that terrible. And then 2019 got worse and 2020 was really bad. Yeah. He got into a point where he just didn't want to strike out. He has this otherworldly understanding of the strike zone. And so he's very good at knowing when not to swing and chase pitches outside of the zone. But he had gotten to that point to almost where every single swing was a defensive, choppy little swing that, okay, you make contact, you're going to get a single, but that's really all you're going to get. And then he had a nice high on base percentage, but his slugging percentage was really low. And so he just woke up one day and he was like, I'm going to stop that. I'm just going to hit home runs. I'm just going to hit dingers. And that is where Botto still bangs uh. came into play because he's like, yeah, I just, you know, I just want to bang. And he bangs. Yeah. I didn't know if it was like a little needle action. I didn't know what was going on. With <laughs> I had to ask the question, Jeff. I was like, uh, a couple of years, no power. All of a sudden, age 38, my man's got the power back. And then you look at this year, it's gone again. So I don't know. I uh, Maybe he was hanging out with Nelson Cruz during the offseason. I don't know what Joey Votto was doing, so I just had to ask the question. But Coming up, is Alec Thomas being overlooked in the NL Rookie of the Year race? And Jeff Carr is going to tell us who he thinks is the biggest Dark horse sleeper to make it out of the National League. Bringing it all down for you next. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at creatorthomas24 for my uh at creator Thomas 24 for my personal account on Twitter. I, I legit had a brain fart for a second. And just look up Lockdown Dimebacks, both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course,